0: Welcome to the Mary D. Show. I'm your host, Mary D., here to be your guide as we extract wisdom and life lessons from top CEOs, thought leaders, artists, spiritual luminaries, and wellness experts. My intention is to bring you value in every show that sparks an idea helps you break a limiting belief or creates thoughts that up-level your life so that you can know from the deepest depths of your soul that everything you want is available to you and that abundance is your birthright. In 2018, I healed from breast cancer holistically after surgery without the use of chemotherapy or pharmaceuticals. I love biohacking and plant medicine and exploring spirituality and what it means to be in relationship with source so that we can feel whole and complete no matter what life throws at us. My specialty in the business world is strategy and leadership, and my gift to each of you is my ability to listen so that I can help others see themselves. In each episode, I want to sprinkle you with some hope dust, tickle your funny bone, and inspire you to find your inner roar. Get ready to live your most purposeful and joy-filled life now and enjoy the show. Today, my guest on The Mary D. Show is Kisma, once an international classic musician who literally got up in the middle of her career to follow a spiritual calling she had deep inside of her. Today, she's a spiritual luminary and a prosperity coach. Kisma and I live like five miles away from each other, but we had to go all the way to the south of France to sit next to each other at a dinner to figure out that we were neighbors. And we've been friends ever since. I have come to really love and appreciate her heart and her level of commitment to her personal and spiritual growth. For more about Kisma, head over to HTTPS wwwkizmaawakecom And you can join her at her next event in San Diego, California called Prosperity Code Live taking place March 10th through 12th. Hope to see you there. Kisma, thank you for joining us today. I am super stoked to introduce you mm-hmm. to my community and I love to just dive right in, dive right it. in. So thank you. in a nutshell, can you tell me, tell our listeners, what is it that you do in the world? What's your, what's your gift? What's your magic that you bring to the table?
1: That's a great question. I sometimes wonder that myself, like what, what am I really doing? I think any entrepreneur sort of goes through that, you know, there's like, it can be such a big platform, but basically I'm known as the prosperity code mentor. And what I really love doing is helping people access, create, ignite, attain more prosperity You know mary that's not just wealth and money it's leadership it's health it's love it's for me the most important is spirituality because i think when Mm. we're really tapped into that you know when we let go of all the stickiness and we're tapped in to that spiritual power that's where the magic is so a lot of the work is done through understanding the laws of the universe in very specific ways and mindset you know i was a musician for years so mindset is very easy to me but then we bring in energy, which I really, truly believe is the game changer for anybody that's looking at peak performance, success, mindset, any of it. Yes. The energy has to support what the mind is trying to do, what the mm-hmm. actions are to be taken.
0: Yes, I love that. You hear a lot of people talk about energy. I think the, the old school context for the average person is that, oh, energy is how I feel right? Mm. It's like, do I have enough mm-hmm. energy to get to the day? Do I need coffee? So when we use the word energy, what are we actually talking about? Mm.
1: Yeah, energy, it is often how we feel. you know, If we look at the law of vibration, for instance, for vibratory beings in a vibrational universe operating according to vibrational laws. So oftentimes how we feel is in sync with the current vibration that we're running or our thoughts are running. I think when we look at the power of thoughts, which is a great way to look at energy, thoughts are electrical and they're Mm -hmm. powerful just as electricity is. And so if our electrical system in our homes isn't designed correctly or it isn't running in the right current direction, it can be devastating. And yet when everything's put together, we turn on the lights, we take it for granted. It's great. If we were to pause and look at the power of how we think, what we say, because our words as well are carrying the electricity of the thoughts, the intentions. Sometimes there's emotions. I believe personally that we would pause more and contemplate is what's coming out of my mouth is what I'm thinking Mm -hmm. in alignment with the goal, the ideal, maybe the miracle that we want to create.
0: Yes, yes. You know, that has me thinking about energy. And there's a, been a study, I remember this was some time ago, it had to do with the molecular structure of water. And like wow. these monks were praying over water and like, how it actually mm-hmm. literally the energy of a prayer, a spoken word, that is an energetic, right? The words we speak yes. are energetic. And so speaking into water, a blessing, how it actually positively changes that water. Tears of joy versus tears of fear, mm. right? And just just mm-hmm. the, the energy of that. And that's really powerful if you really sit with that for a minute. Because it goes back into it is true that our words they carry so much power. So you're right. What if we paused before we yelled at our kids or yelled at our partner or yelled at a stranger? Or right. I yelled at herself Yes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Just the conversation that goes on in mind. And I think that there's so much power to that. If everyone would sit and actually consider what it means, if you Mm -hmm. were to actually say, my words are powerful and how do I use them Mm -hmm. in in everything? It's really, I, I love that so much. There's a great book called
1: Working with the Law by Raymond Hollywell. It's an old book. So it's a little bit thick to read. I love it though. He goes through many of the laws of the universe and he quotes a study in there. I think the study was done in the UK, but they tested perspiration from human beings that were going through immense amounts of shame and guilt. Mm. In the perspiration, they determined it was very acidic. Mm. So if the perspiration that's coming out of someone who's living with shame and guilt is acidic, what is happening internally to that person that's carrying a lot of shame and guilt. And that is still energy, right? That's one of the beautiful things of where we can go into healing the physical body, mental, emotional bodies through how we're directing our energy. And I love too, what you mentioned about water, because when you think about food, you know, I'm very big on organic and I'm very big on buying from people who love on their food. So sometimes when you look at the small farm that maybe they have to use, You know, a few chemicals for bugs or whatever, but they love what they do so much. That food, you're going to feel it if you scan it. It's a completely different vibration and it's Mm -hmm. going to do wonderful things in the body as opposed to maybe there's a very large farm and there's no pesticides, but people are angry, they're upset, they're overworked. It's just a point, you know, to look at that everything gets infused with energy. Energy is everything. And there's a law called the perpetual transmutation of energy which energy takes shape, non-shape, and shape again and again. And it's always running to us and through us. Mm. It's what are we doing? What's our container about that allows it to go out and take shape into our own personal universe?
0: Yes, yes and yes. So one thing that I think is super fascinating about you is that you once played the flute in the Hong Kong (laughs) Philharmonic which is energetic all by Mm -hmm. itself Mm -hmm. however what i'm interested in knowing kisma is how do you go from playing music in the philharmonic to answering Mm -hmm. this spiritual calling and doing the work that you're doing today you know there are so many people in the world who Mm -hmm. feel a calling or they feel led to do something different especially after the pandemic Mm -hmm. so many people had an opportunity to sit for a minute and say am i going to be able to do the same line of work and wow while i'm sitting here in limbo what if i could do something else what would that look like and so yeah. that question i think has become very real for people because everyone got to face that question right it's almost like mm-hmm. i tell people when i got breast cancer like i wasn't thinking much about death or um, immunotherapies at the time because I, di- I didn't have to think about it mm-hmm. but when it comes forward and you're like oh i'm faced with this let me let me actually yeah. sit with this for a minute what does that look like yeah. so how do you go from playing the flute to saying, hey, I am, uh, I'm ready to do something different in the world. I have a calling.
1: For me, it's full circle. I actually heard, you know, I started playing flute when I was 12 and I wanted so badly to be in an orchestra. Went to conservatory. My first job was in New York City and then it was in Savannah, Georgia. And then I heard this voice, you're going to get this job in the Hong Kong Philharmonic. So when I say voice, I have been led by a voice and maybe it's intuition, right? I think everyone has a knowing, a hearing, a feeling. Mine just happens to be like, someone's inserting this voice in my head. I can't describe it, except I do my best to listen to it. And this, you know, I had an incredible career and I loved Hong Kong. I was there for nine years and you know, I started to just have this notion, maybe there's something else. My dad was ill, so he's back in the states. Zoe and I are in Hong Kong, but it really it came to a culmination really fascinatingly enough, one night during a a concert, I think it was a Beethoven symphony, I'm on stage, it's probably the second movement, I'm playing second flute and I'm counting rests, and I hear that same voice saying, "You're done. It's time to go." And I was sort of like, <laughs> so, okay, the first flute wasn't talking to me, like, was it the clarinets? Was someone like whispering? Was someone trying to trip me up? And I just had this knowing, it's like, okay, that's it. Now, I stayed on stage, like I played the rest of the concert, and I finished the season, but I trusted the voice. And Zoe and mm-hmm. I moved back to the States and I opened a yoga studio. Yoga was a way, it was the physical practice into the philosophy Mm -hmm. of Vedanta, which is the foundation of my coaching practice. And I had a beautiful studio in Gross Point, Michigan for five or six years. And that led me to going to India every Mm -hmm. single year to study with Swami Parthasarathy. And over time, you know, Zoe graduated high school. She moved to Abu Dhabi to go to NYU Abu Dhabi. And Nick and I were like, I should go to San Diego. And we had worked with Ted McGrath, who I think, you know, Mm -hmm. and we'd been out there. And I was like, let's go. The studio, I hit a place where I couldn't grow anymore. You know, It was part of a a bigger corporation, and I just kind of felt like raising my right leg up and stepping forward. If that's all I was going to teach for the rest of my life, I wasn't going to be happy. Mm. So that was it. We came out to California. I think maybe it's been about 11 years. I'm not so great with time. I sort of get lost in it all. But
0: basically, I just listened and took the leap. I love that. I feel like uh, this year for me, that is actually, that showed up for me in a plant ceremony recently where listen was Mm. my word. And that's been my word for this year. And interestingly enough, my gene keys along with my human design says that that is actually my gift is in listening. Mm. And so I was like, Ooh, I'm really going to lean into that this year. And I want to want to be able to use listening as the the skill of what are the things that I'm hearing, but also what are the words that aren't being said in between sentences yes. or in between things mm-hmm. that are happening?
1: You know, the, the highest teachings always say the true self is found in the silence. Even in between the mantra OM, the whole idea of chanting is you pay attention to that sliver of sound You might just hear your true self, the God spark, the whatever that is that is indescribable within us. And I do talk to my clients a lot in my group, The Ashram, that a lot of people are afraid to sit with themselves Mm. because so the world is telling us to speed up. Social media is sending us algorithms to go faster and faster. We have to really take a stand against that and create this silence, even if it's for three minutes a day, because... I think once someone gets used to three minutes, they're like, give me another minute. you know, mm-hmm. Give me a few more seconds. Let me stay here. And then they start to hear, or they feel, or they calm down, or they know, or they trust, whatever it is, something good happens once we're willing to be in that place.
0: Yes, so calming on the nervous system for people mm-hmm. that if you're, if you're listening today and this is news to you and you're you're going 5,000 miles an hour, The act of literally just stopping, taking a few Mm -hmm. deep breaths, even if it's only for a few seconds, but ideally, if you could sit there and do that for minutes, it will bring so much peace to your day in a way that will literally shift the energy around you in some beautiful ways. And um, I love to call that a state change, right? So it's coming uh, anytime I'm in a little bit of a funk or things feel weird, or maybe a call was awkward. It's like, how can I reset? Yeah. And that's the beautiful way to do it is to yeah. actually just stop and breathe. And I think as we all work out our journey, we figure out what is the best pit stop for us along the way. Is yeah. it a meditation? Some people are like, oh, meditation. I can't be quiet that long. It just doesn't feel good. I'm like, then don't do a quiet meditation. Yeah, right. Go take a walking meditation. Mm-hmm. Go take a screaming meditation. Go, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, do whatever works for you, but know that there are modalities out there. There's tapping. Gosh, there's so many different modalities these days mm-hmm. and having the practice of yoga and knowing that even in yoga, there's many different kinds of yoga practices. I think that's the other thing that a lot of people aren't fully aware of sometimes yeah. of knowing like there's fast yoga and then there's slow yeah. yoga, there's hot yoga, there's not hot yoga. <laughs> right. There's yin yoga.
1: I think it's so important, you know, because we can start to hear something attach and then think we have to do something in a certain way. And one of the stunning things that when I traveled to India, really my first trip there, I learned something very intense about just who I was and karma, but also about meditation. And, you know, I teach meditation, I've guided meditations, I love it. Yet, when we go to the absolute, and I love going to the absolute because I just feel like it's a bit of a metric, like if we really know the highest standard, we can at least face forward, right? We can mm-hmm. We can lead our direction. And meditation is actually not a practice, it's an arrival. Mm. The practice comes in letting go of desires that might not be good for us. We can have desires, but it's like walking up the ladder. You, know, you replace a lower desire with a higher. The practice is living in love and harmony with our fellow beings and ourselves. So the more that we practice calming down, the meditative mind, you arrive. And I think it's important to share that because you're right. Most people, especially if they're active in nature, active in thought, it's not fair to yourself to sit. Someone say, well, sit and be quiet for, you know, 30 minutes. Like you said, take a walk and be in nature, go for a drive, go for a run, something that allows this conditioned mind to move over. So the super conscious mind or the intuitive mind has a chance to be present. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And once that occurs,
0: I think we know we're facing the right direction. Mm, So good. So good. So let me ask you this question, which is, you're someone who works in the spiritual realm, also in this world. If you're a super logical person, Mm -hmm. then you think in terms of facts and figures and absolutes. And I feel like there's a shift that needs to happen or has to happen to truly tap in so how Mm -hmm. would you what's what advice do you have for those folks that are like i need some absolute concrete things but Mm -hmm. also they recognize that there is source they want to tap into source how do people hear god kizma that's that's really the question how do we hear god (laughs)
1: that's well it's, it's the like holy grail right i think it starts with it just might be possible like, I and I do that with my clients all the time. You don't have to like fully accept that there's this supreme power. And I believe in, you know, the Atman to the Brahman. I believe God is within all of us. And I believe that when we see God in all things and we reach that state, then we're there. So I don't believe that there's a God that we fear or we have mm-hmm. to obey. There's divine love, there's this incredible energy. But for somebody who's very logical minded, i think it's really important to look at cause and effect the overarching law of the universe and you can see it in the laboratory you can see it in science you can see it in math but every cause will have an effect and every effect will have a cause so start with your life you know just be really bold and go out and find a stranger and start yelling at them you're the cause you're yelling at somebody what are you going to get in return it's so blatant it's so obvious And we know that, so then go and get a coffee and raise your eyebrows and smile at the person serving you. What is the effect back? I like to be playful and I like to be in the field because I also do a lot of um, body language and linguistics. And I love to watch how people are going from their mammalian brain and seeing a part of us physically that maybe they don't realize they're responding to in the frequency as the science, you know, like attracts like. We can see that in so many ways and of course certain things repel. But I just love to be the experiment. I love for people to test it. When you're willing to put your hand on your heart and have a difficult conversation, I guarantee that conversation will be easier because you're affecting what's called the heart chakra. The heart chakra is the first chakra that formulates in the womb, like the organ is the first organ that starts to take shape. So energy is real. We see it everywhere. I think it's, I think it's for a logical people to say, you don't need to sit and meditate. You don't need to chant. You don't need to do the woo, but try because this is about mastering your life. I mean, life is an art and most people have not been taught how to live it. So when you start to find these ways of being that make life easier and happier, It's an easy conversion. I mean, I think it's why, you know, I have some clients that are closing multi, multi million dollar deals and they're like, hey, I used that thing you taught me. It was so easy. I'm like, yep, good. (laughs) You know, it's applicable. We are the cause and we're looking into a mirror and we can't rip the mirror off the wall and change it, but we can
0: continue to change this. So good. So good. Yes. I am in in full, in a full yes on that one. (laughs) I I find that the advice I like to give people is, look, if you go to the mountain and it's just you and God, at -hmm. the end of the day, if you cut out all the noise around you and what other people have told you, what other beliefs have been instilled in you, Mm -hmm. uh, whatever beliefs you've picked up along the way, and you sit with those things. And you go, hmm, what is actually true for me, mm-hmm. right? And for many of us, we can actually feel in our body. Mm-hmm. We can feel in our body what is true for us. And being able to get really honest with yourself can also be very confronting. Because right. especially if you were raised in a particular religion or a particular practice of a regiment, and suddenly you're like, oh, I don't necessarily believe this Mm -hmm. anymore or maybe this particular thing is not true for me then that can be very confronting because you've you've held on to this foundational belief that this is a thing Mm -hmm. and now it's being challenged Mm -hmm. and now you're coming into your own truth and you're like okay am I gonna hold staunchly to this or am I going to let it go Mm -hmm. and I think that is a fascinating place to be but also it is part of taking personal responsibility and full ownership over your life, right? Being the, the CEO of your life right. and, and even your spirituality and saying, how do I come to my relationship with source and my knowing mm-hmm. and knowing that that, yeah, God exists in me. And so what am I really listening to? Am I listening to the input from other people and some noise or am I feeling this inside? And I've mm-hmm. I've seen that. I've seen that struggle happen for people. I think 100%. the one I see it the most, I grew up in a, a really conservative Christian home and, and our big one was no sex before marriage. Mm-hmm. So imagine, you know, being someone in the, you know, having a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or experience where you're like, wow, I really want to, I really want to get sexual with this person and we're not married it creates a lot of shame and a lot of guilt and and just this heaviness of Mm -hmm. like following the rules or being, you know, naughty or on the, now on the naughty list, if you do it, or it's against the rules and now God's going to be mad at you, or you're going to, you know, face some sort of punishment. And that's the one that I find fascinating because I've literally seen kids who, they're not even kids, they're young adults who will go rent an apartment so they can tell their parents that they have a place and that they're not living with their boyfriend, but they're really living with their boyfriend, but they rent the apartment so that if the parents ever come over or question that they're living. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? You're paying two rents and you're living completely out of alignment and you're living this lie Mm -hmm. so that everyone can go back to this belief That, you know, it's so fascinating to watch the hoops that we'll go
1: through. Yeah, it's like a massive cognitive dissonance, right? There's something that we want, and yet there's another belief, and that we have to face that belief. I call it a vibrational fracture. Mm. And two things will happen to leave the dissonance, the fracture, because we want to get out of it, is we'll either acquiesce and be like, well, okay, this is it, and, and fall back to the thing we really don't want to be, do, or have. Or we take a big leap and sometimes that means difficult conversation sometimes it just means to get beyond what other people think of us and i think that's the biggest thing that people struggle with is i know i did right what are they going to think what's my family going to think what are my friends going to think i mean when i left the music world i had phone calls nonstop you're crazy you've given your life to this you don't you're opening a yoga studio you don't know how to run a business And I said, if I can get a job in an orchestra, not once, but twice and three times, I can run a yoga studio. And I could, right? Like, we have to, I think, take a stand. But you're right. There's so much that, you know, those paradigms that have been poured into us. And interestingly enough, Mary, you know that how we deal with, say, conflict as a child or how we acquire love or attention as a child is oftentimes how we do it as an adult until we decide, wait a minute, that's old, there's something new, you know, and even for our our logical, grounded, super grounded minds, I think most people, especially now are seeking that alternative way of being, doing, having, they know there's something else. Mm. And so they're willing to explore it. And there is something else. And, you know, back to the voice of God, Mm. I think most people don't stop and ask hey, I usually just say universe because I'm just like, all right, anybody that's going to talk to me? Yeah, We're so used to prayer being, I mean, if you could give me this, I promise that, or man, just please this, you know, it's the give me, give me thing. Mm -hmm. I love to stop and be like, okay, talk to me. I'm stuck. Talk to me. And it's always shocking what I hear which is usually like, you could have asked a long time ago. Like Mm -hmm. What took you so long Mm -hmm. to sit down and ask? We have to ask. I believe we all have a team, a spiritual team around us. I I know that we have a higher self and you can think of your higher self is a higher version of you in a higher dimension. And it's an amazing space to connect to, which you just simply say, connecting to my higher self and then have, a, have conversations with other people's higher selves to live and breathe and solve problems from your higher self. And then to know, and it just might be possible that you have a team around you that right. they want the best for you. And I just kind of feel like, why not? Like, Why not try and access that team? Why not connect with a higher self? The noise of the world is so thick. The world is always going to be a roller coaster. We can't change that, but we can change our response to it. We can change our perception and
0: therefore the quality of how we're interacting with the world. Mm, Absolutely. I like to dive in with curiosity Mm. and almost gamify it for myself and say, I definitely believe the universe is conspiring for me always, that, that for sure I have a team. And how often do I call in my team? Well, all the time. Because the only time I seem to be in struggle is when I choose to not call in the Mm. team. And I'm so aware that everything is available to me, right? Love, abundance, joy, happiness, prosperity, make the list. It's all available to me. The only time I get stuck is when right here, if I'm having the conversation with myself that I can't Mm -hmm. have something. Right. Or I'm not leaning in and I'm go, I'm like, oh, wh- wh- where am I not calling in help yeah. on this? Right. And I think life is that's part of life is figuring out, like, how do we all connect, finding our next piece that we cl- connect with to make the, the picture complete? And I think that's this life. This yeah. life is about calling in your team. You've got your your team that exists to move and guide you along as you go and help you steer the ship so that you're not doing it by yourself. And then there's the other people who are all t- trying to steer their ship as well. Yeah, right. How can we also help each other? You know, like, oh, right. so-and-so is missing water. Let's throw some water over on their ship. Mm. Oh, they need food? Okay, let's throw some food over on their ship. Like whatever whatever we need. And I just feel like this is life's grand fun yeah. curiosity and mystery is, is how do we actually engage to create help versus showing up in this very ego I I I I have to do it all. And the pressure of that, the pressure of having to be the person who has to do it all.
1: It's so heavy. And it, it, there's usually a point where with that ego, there's a self-implosion, right? Because mm-hmm. you can't sustain it. I love that you mentioned helping one another. I, I always lean into this. I talk about prosperity disruptors, where we disrupt our prosperity, ego, competitive mind versus creative mind, competition versus just collaboration. But one of the most amazing, like when you talk about changing your state, is shifting one's prosperity is when we want it for others. Mm. We want it for others. I recognized this years ago when I had my yoga studio. And you know, as the owner, supposedly, I would want all the big classes, et cetera. And I just sat down. It was really early morning. And I remember it was like a Michigan winter. And I was at the studio for a 6 a.m. class. And I was like, I looked at the list of teachers and I, and I thought to myself, I want them all to make as much money as they can. That would make me so happy. And so I took my name off of all the big classes, put them on like, you know, the 4 p.m. Sunday, the 6 a.m., Wednesday, whatever it was, and I gave the big times to everybody else. And the studio blew up in a good way. Mm. And interestingly enough, those classes that I thought were odd they grew they were full they were overfull because the energy was right like how do i help others how do i just want it for others and it really makes it so much easier mary instead of comparison i think it's fair to say i mean i do i don't know about you but i think most people can get into comparison at some point or other and it never feels good so if you have somebody that's quote-unquote a competitor or somebody in your industry they're like, "Oh, how's it working out for them?" Just pause and be like, "That is so cool." Like, go get them. You don't have to like it. You don't have to like what they sell. You don't even have to like them. But honor, like this is amazing, because through the law of supply, there's, as you said, there's enough abundance for everyone. Yes. But we have to recognize it, and, and wanting it for others is an amazing, amazing state to be in. It just solves so many things that I feel people struggle
0: with today. Yes, yes and yes. And this is such a a good leadership principle, actually. Kisma, it's one that I for sure talk to you about with my clients Mm -hmm. about because I think that it's easy to get caught in the comparison game. As you said, it's easy to look and say, oh, well, they're doing this. Can we learn from each other? Yes, we can. And there is more than enough for everyone. Yeah. And the, the more we can honor that and be in alignment with that, the more mm-hmm. we show up, and we don't have to be jealous. We don't have to be envious. We can cheer other people on and say, hey, I'm excited for you. And I'm also excited about my path and where I'm going because I know there's enough for all of us. Yes. And seeing you have success is a great example for me to go, ooh, this is what success is going to look like or feel like. Yeah. That's how I'm defining it. Yeah. And that's such an important principle versus people get so caught up in you know the the lawsuits of things and the anger of things and the ego of things and it's yeah. it's a really it's a, it's a funky energy to be in and one to to call into place and i'd rather not mm-hmm. i'd be like mm, let's mm-hmm. call in abundance because then i don't have to worry about what anyone else is doing
1: right well we just got- when you think of one's own mm-hmm. leadership and their presence right when someone's coming from that competitive ego edge it's out of insecurity i mean let's just call it what it is right either someone is Really acting superior or inferior—it's out of insecurity. So when we're in that centered awareness, when we're really tapped in, which is, I love—it's usually going to be somebody who's, you know, they're pausing, they're quiet, they're noticing, very present. There's a magnetism or a charisma or a confidence that can change the state of people around you. So it's interesting that we don't need to be over the top, and we certainly don't want to turn down our light. But just that centered awareness is so powerful and people want more of it. You know, they'll notice like, wow, that person's really calm. They're, they're moving slower than everybody else, but they're powerful. And that's what happens when we just drop the ego. Absolutely.
0: So Kisma, if you could go back in time, think about when you first made the shift and you first started doing the spiritual work what is something you know now that you wish you had known when you first got started yeah it's easy i'm the architect of my life that's
1: the thing i never i never got it and, and it was really funny how i the first time i really felt that is it was my first trip to india i had my yoga studio open about four months and i had already met my teacher in the u.s swami partah And i just said to my staff i'm going to go to india and study For like couple of weeks, they're like, "You can't." We just opened the studio, and I was like, "I can't not go," Mm. because honestly, I don't know what I'm doing here, so Mm. I'm out. And but I had this talk about ego. I was like, "I'm going to go and show them how much I've been studying, and I've done all this work, I've done all this yoga. I'll never forget Mary the first lecture." And Swami is about 96 now, so this is probably 16 years ago, and he was so he, he is always so strong and powerful in his presence. This is what a self-realized soul brings. And his first words that I ever heard at a lecture in India at the ashram were, you are a prisoner of your past. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, I'm screwed. I might as well pack up and leave. Everything rushed through me. I was like, dang! You know, I thought I was going to come and be the best student. And everything that I'd ever done, all the mistakes were floating through my head. And there was a silence after he said, you're a prisoner of your past. Everyone just kind of went, and then he said, but you're the architect of your future. Mm -hmm. And I thought that I can get behind. And that was it. I thought if what I do now can affect my personal universe, my life, my daughter, the people I love, I'm willing to be present. I'm willing to at least try to change my thoughts. I'm willing to do the healing I need to do so I'm not playing the blame or shame or victim or martyr role. I'm willing to be accountable for my actions and my thoughts. If I can really make a difference in how I live, because we know life is a whisper. If I can make a difference, then I'm willing to be present to that.
0: Mm, So good that had me think about uh, that phrase, which is you're a prisoner to your past. But I, I take that a step further and say, when you are a prisoner to your past, oftentimes you can drag other people into prison with you. Mm. <laughs> yeah, um, Right? Yeah. <laughs> light, I'm like, let's not do that. Yeah. Let's not yeah. do that. I was just Leave sharing it. this with someone the other day. I said, hey, you know, as long as you want to hold on to this you know, Mm -hmm. resentment and this angst that you have against this other person, you have to know that you're going to pull that into your next relationship and your next relationship. Absolutely. I've seen people do it over and over again where they love so fully, they get hurt, and then they show up with the next partner and they don't love Mm -hmm. fully because they're so worried about getting hurt or they're still holding on to the hurt. Yeah. That they're so now they're now punishing this new person for something that an old person, you know, did to them. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting to see that. And I just go, hmm, what is the ultimate, you know, what's the ultimate path of forgiveness for people, right? What's the, what does that Mm -hmm. look like? Like, how do we, how do we detach from Mm -hmm. those things that don't serve us so that we can show up in curiosity and joy for what's ahead?
1: I mean, that forgiveness is such a big piece. I, I like to think the past is for learning, and then you gotta let like let it go, yeah. learn, make amends, do whatever needs to be done, but it's for learning. And then we can move forward. I think, what is it, the Mark Twain quote that forgiveness is the fragrance of violet emits when the heel crushes it. Mm. It's like, I, I think it's important for people to forgive and it's not saying it's okay if someone super hurt you or did something hard, that's not okay. But if you're gonna stay in it, You're in that back full circle. You're in that energy. You're in that toxicity. It's in your entire field. It's in your body. It's like you said, Mary, it's going to be in your next relationship. It'll be in your money. It'll be in your leadership. It permeates everything. Just as the inverse, if you have more love and awareness, especially towards yourself and towards others, that permeates your awareness. And I think, is it the Taoists that have this? You know, it, it's, it's almost a creed that they will do their best to never think harmful thoughts about another human being. Mm-hmm. If they're not thinking harmful, they're thinking loving. Mm-hmm. And that, that is life-changing. When you're that person that can do your very best to just think love and harmony and positivity towards the people around you, something shifts not just in you, but in the people that show up, they'll feel it. And it is such a gift. I think also for the entire planet, we have to, we really have to shape up, you know, as human beings on what's happening on the planet. And it starts with each of us.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. does. Absolutely. So how do people start? Kisma, how do people start when they feel the calling, Mm -hmm. you know, do they, do they get up out of their chair? at the Philharmonic and say, <laughs> done here. It's completed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and just move on to the next thing. Is there a, a planning session? Do they call God and say, I need to set up a discovery oh, call with you? I, I think that's pretty cool. Set up your discovery call with universe. I liked, you know, I, I think
1: it was Mary Morrissey that said this once to me, it's whatever you have, take it and do the next thing. Mm. Like take the next action, keep there's a term in the Vedanta, right action. It's action with a peace of mind. So when you can get really centered like, all right, here's, here's what I want to manifest. Here's what I want to create. Really take that and have it in your heart and your mind and move. Like, please take action because action is the insignia of life. And I think sometimes there can be spiritual teachings and, and believers who are just like, well, I'm going to wait until the universe gives me that $2,500 check. That's not fair. Mm-hmm. You're a partner with the universe. Please be in action, move towards it, be responsible. So I, I think it's always about dialing it back to, all right, what's my next right action towards this dream that I have? Yeah. And then
0: take it. Yes. I love that. I have a the kids in the family, they're in their twenties and trying to figure out their next step in life mm-hmm. and like what they really want to do in the world. And I said, well, while you're figuring out what you really want to do, or while you're figuring out what the next big thing is, that's not an excuse to sit and do nothing. Yeah. This is your opportunity to start making small steps in the right direction mm-hmm. and to at least be in motion so that yeah. the energetics of like, okay, your intention, you're putting it out there. And how can you work on that thing that you really want for yourself every day, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even just a little bit? right? So that it can become something that becomes more in your view so that you can start to get the bigger pieces that come together. So you can start building the relationships and making the connections that you need to, to see this bigger dream show up for you or to figure it out, right? We don't do nothing while we're figuring out. We still make a motion. We still want to be in movement Mm -hmm. and and allow those things to see, Hey, we're creating energy over here. Yeah, Wait for the the calling to show up or the right thing that we're to yeah. be doing in the world feel the the tug that says yeah i'm doing i'm doing life like yeah. like i'm meant to do life
1: yeah that i love that mary it's so beautiful sometimes it's just like who am i going to be today
0: right well i know you have a prosperity code live event coming up and yeah. it is a truly a live event It thank is. thank god for live actual events yeah. where we get to come and see people Talk to me about that. I believe the dates are March 10th through the 12th in San Diego. What are people getting? Why are they coming? Thanks for
1: mentioning the Prosperity Code Live is something I'm so passionate about. This is the third year that I've hosted it live in person. And basically we walk through the Code of Prosperity and that is about what do you really want? I think sometimes we don't take the time to dive deep in our heart and soul and be like, what do I really want? And then we look at, well, what's in the way? Why hasn't it occurred so far? And then we clear it, like part of this event is not just mindset and strategies, it's deep energetic processes, a big meditation night. And then activate the laws of the universe in your thinking, in your actions. And the fifth step arrives to awakening. So you are in a new vibration, you're in a new way of being. And so we'll walk through the code, I teach what's called the manifestation metric. We're going to look at the intuition code and the VIP option is the confidence code, which I'm really excited to bring to the table because confidence is an important part of living. I think so much we hand our power, we hand our heart to other people and we've got to bring it in, like really stand in that confidence, which is knowing as well your connection to source. So it's going to be amazing. I invite anybody who's interested to uh, Take a look at it. I we're gonna have an amazing time. We'll have crystals. We'll have journals. It, it'll be a party.
0: Yes, yes, <laughs> always. And for any of you that are not familiar with Kisma, she's got so many amazing programs. And man, Kisma, you're great. You did. You just recently did the vision boarding. Yeah, how to create mirror. a vision board
1: that really works.
0: Yes, <laughs> yes, that's so powerful. And you're always doing um, challenges and running live Mm -hmm. events. And I I love it. I think you have so much to offer your community and so much wisdom to share. So thank you for being a light in this world and uh, for being in my circle. I appreciate you so much. And uh, it's a pleasure to have you on today. Thank you, Mary. I love you so much. Oh, I love you too. Any last words or any last uh, pieces of wisdom that you'd like to dispel before we wrap up today? Yeah, I would just encourage
1: everybody, you know, this is what I do, especially if I'm feeling like heavy or crunchy, so to speak. Before you go to sleep at night, set your energy. You know, our subconscious mind manifests while we sleep and sometimes falling asleep, just saying, thank you, God, universe, spirit, and bringing into your mind and heart what you really want to create for the next day and moving forward, it'll give you a peaceful rest so that the next morning you can wake up and be like, I'm so excited. I'm so grateful for this day. So it all begins the night before, and then it allows for more beautiful day and then rinse and repeat.
0: Yes, yes. And yes, I love putting a lid on the the current day speaking those gratitudes, falling asleep to those gratitudes, and then waking up knowing it's a new day and it's a new start. So it's beautiful advice. Thank you, my friend. Sure. Thank you for joining us on today's show. I hope that today's session inspires you to live an aligned life where you get to take complete ownership of your feelings and decisions to live in your truth. You can connect with me at www.maryd.com. That's M-A-R-Y-D-E-E dot com follow and like us at Facebook or Instagram at The Mary D. That's The Mary D. M-A-R-Y-D-E.